Ferroletto, publisher of New Observations magazine. Today we have um, a wonderful guest, Addie Mayer, a um, multi-talented artist from Germany who's a very fine painter and also filmmaker. Welcome to the show, Addie. Hi, how are you? I'm very happy to be here. Oh, it's, it's wonderful to have you. Um, for our listeners, Addie, for our listeners, um, Addie contacted me when she received the latest issue of New Observations magazine on consciousness and contact, and um, her subject matter uh, is focused in her four, her series of four films on a character called the Space Rider and um, the Space Rider's trips to various places on Earth. Addie, can you tell us a bit about the series? Yeah, so the series uh, are four Space Rider films, <clears throat> which I completed in 2020, um, and I call them the Space Rider Cycle. Um, it took me about 10 years to do those four films, um, and uh, I, my alter ego is this character of the space rider. So I am a, a, um, a, whom, uh, a person um, on a horse. I'm an astronaut on a horse, and the horse also wears um, a space helmet. And we travel together to distant places or the Earth, um, and I'm just going to briefly tell you about the four films. The first one we shot out uh, in Wyoming um, in 2012. And the, I, the, uh, when I did that film, I didn't know I would do three others. Um, I'm basically out in the badlands of uh, Wyoming following the Apollo 11 first moonwalk line on two different uh, planets and planting the flag um, according to where the astronauts planted the flag on the moon. Um, um, the idea is that I put a lot of references in that film, also where, uh, you know, the first footprint and stuff like this. Um, it's pretty abstract. There's no nobody there, just me on the horse roaming through this wilderness um, and the second one we shot in New York City on Times Square. Um, I lived in New York or I still live sometimes in New York uh, for a long time and um, this is kind of my homage to also to New York. Um, we, I arrived with the space horse on Times Square. That film is called The Place is Place because all you see is basically advertising screens and it could be, I could be whatever, in Tokyo or in Paris or somewhere. Um, and I ride through the crowds uh, pretty much unnoticed, which is really interesting because they're all taking selfies. And uh, at some point, I get off and plant the flag on time, my, my space rider flag on Times Square. 
and then leave again. Um, the third film is um, I shot with the Lakota Horse Nation uh, on the Pine Ridge Reservation. And because I had the vision, the space rider has to meet um, native people on horses. Um, I always was drawn to the Lakota people and um, I did the um, the future generation ride, which is also called the um, the, mes the memorial massacre ride um, on Wounded Knee, and I just called up this family, Marvin Goings from the Pine Ridge Reservation. He's breeding uh, horses, and he was like, "Yeah, just come along." and I had an amazing time. This was the first time I really was in contact with Lakota Indians. And we were basically riding together for two weeks. And after that, I asked them if they want to join me for my film, and they did. And that film is called The Prophecy of the Encounter. Um, it's after a prophecy story by the Lakota. And in the film, uh, you can hear part of it in the soundtrack um and it's uh it's told the story is told by Charlie Newholy who is a storyteller elder medicine man i don't know all kinds of things and he joined us for also for the film the story is basically that there is a star coming too close to the earth they told me that would happen in 2024 and everything of course will change when if that when that happens the fourth film i decided i have to also go back to my roots to germany um and we shot that in berlin i also lived in berlin for about 10 years and I, when i lived there the wall was still up <clears throat> and i was very lucky to witness when they took the wall away, I was still there, which, of course, completely changed the city because it was divided before. And I decided again to follow a line, and this time I follow the line of the former Berlin Wall. Um, this film is probably my most political film, just by riding through this historic places and along the wall and uh i i go towards the brandenburg gate i mean there's a lot of famous buildings historical buildings you could see in it but uh, again i'm not communicating with anybody there i'm just riding along the wall the former wall or what is still up and uh to kind of show it's like a space rider through her eyes. She's like mirroring the world or what happened. And then people just see me, you know, walking by the wall and a lot of history and memories come back this way. I don't judge anything. I just walk by. And yeah, and that's, and in 2020, I finished the last film, which was the Berlin film. And we, I was very happy to got invited uh, at the Städtische Galerie in Wolfsburg, which is a museum in Wolfsburg, Germany, 
and we were able to do a four channel installation with all the four films simultaneously according to the medicine wheel and the colors of the medicine wheel the Lakota medicine wheel I should say yeah so that's just a short version of the film that's great and and I I think um I think for me watching them what was so interesting is um a number of other things that were going on in the film. For instance, in the second film, you open at the World's Fair in Queens, uh, you know, when it took place out in, in the meadow in Queens. And I remember seeing, you know, going there as a child and attending that World's Fair. And um, here we are, you know, many, many years later, uh, dealing you show, you know, the globe at the World's Fair kind of, uh, you know, deteriorated and and that globe is sort of a metaphor for our world and, the, and how, where our world has gone during the same time period with climate change and all the ecological problems that we face at this moment in time. So there are a number of subtleties that happen in in the four films, which are what, 15 yeah. minutes long each? That, yeah, about, um, yeah. yeah, that, um, you know, are, are, can make it very contemporary in terms of, um, you know, what you're doing. Um, yeah. in, in conversation, you mentioned that this is, you know, this is really all intuitive, that you're, not a contactee uh, consciously, that you don't, you know, you're not experiencing communication from other dimensions, so to speak. Do you want to talk about that, your yeah. process? And Yeah, sure. Yeah, just picking up that comment you just gave. So the, the World Fair, uh, I, I use, I also use in the last film, I use something similar, which started out, pretty important and now is falling apart, which is at the end of the Berlin film, I'm actually at the uh, former U.S. Um, espionage center, which is right outside Berlin, and it also has this dome structure, and uh, it's totally falling apart right now. Uh, I think David Lynch bought it, but then he, he wanted to put his religious in there but they then he sold it but it's and now it's falling apart but anyways there's a lot there's a lot of subtle uh, images in the films uh, like like those ones um, yeah and about the okay now I'm going to talk about how I work in the films so I have um, I have a let's say I have a starting idea um, for example with when I did the film with the Lakota, um, which is called The Prophecy of the Encounter. So the encounter is very important in that case. And uh, all, all my, my, my vision I had when I started that film is just that the space rider will meet the Lakota nation on horses. That was all, that's what, that was all what I had in my head. And then I went out there, I talked to them, uh, I did more research, and then the the prophecy came up about the star coming too close to Earth. 
So then I went to that step. So I go from step to step to step, and it just builds up. I just, uh, I, I call it unconscious working because it just comes to me, and I don't really know where it comes from. Of course, I probably saw something or I heard something, and then I pick it up again, and then it's interesting for me, and then I follow it. So, But it's the same how I actually also work in my paintings. I have a starting point and then it evolves and I see what I did and I go from there and then I put something else on on the paper, on the canvas and then I uh, I look at it and then I go from there. So it's really step by step by step. It's, a, it's always a process. Um, and it's kind of almost like I paint with my films too because I... Uh, I'm very image oriented uh and the images I kind of paint with the images. It's like almost like making a collage or something. Yeah. That's, yeah, uh, I can I can see that. Although your paintings for the most part are pretty much geom- geometric and hard edge. Um Yeah. Yeah, and they uh they're a lot of so I'm actually I work a lot with lines too, and I'm trying to. I'm always interested in painting something what you cannot see, and it has to do with with energy lines and energy, and uh, it's it's a lot of it is pretty. You could call like uh, abstract landscape or abstracted landscapes, uh, or I really I'm, I'm very much obviously uh, interested in outer space, and I take a lot of ideas from whatever, NASA websites or uh, anything which uh, is uh, connected with outer space. Um, But I never, um, I think I tap sometimes in different levels of consciousness, but I'm not, it's not that I'm aware of it. Right. I I understand. You're not aware of it yet. (laughs) Right. It was very interesting for me to, to watch your films because, as you know, I, I live in, in South Dakota a good deal of the time, and um, I, I am in, in contact with um, other dimensional beings. And um, one of the ways that I specifically encourage people to expand their psychic awareness uh, and to begin to contact beings from other dimensions is actually through animal communicating. And um, for many years, I lived with my two horses and six large dogs and three cats, all rescues. And... um, you know, my ability to and their ability to communicate right back was extraordinary. Um, yeah. You know, the things that we would experience together. Um, and I, I do think animal communication is one of the most powerful ways that we can learn how to communicate with other beings. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's so, interesting. Yeah, because I work. I, mean, I worked all my life with horses, and I grew up riding horses. And uh, I, I have a pretty good training in dressage, which I got in Germany. And um, 
wherever I go, I ride and I you know, have horses all over the place. But um, yeah, I was never thinking about uh, about communicating like kind of through the horse, but kind of what you just mentioned. To to yeah, it, you know, yeah. So even your choice, you know, aside from it being a very personal choice because of your love of horses, um, I, to you know, imply that there are horses in space who are right. traveling too right. uh, is... is yeah, which, right, which is kind of interesting because the Lakota say that too. They say their horses are also in the sky, which uh, I never came across before, but, you know, it just seems to make more and more sense. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, my animals were all capable of remote viewing, um, which was incredible for me. I, I could be driving along and all of a sudden it, it would be like a TV screen above my head and one would pop in and then another would pop in and, you know, they they right. were very much aware of, of what I was doing and, and keeping yeah. tabs on me. Um, but I, you know, the, to use a horse in such a pronounced way, I think is a really... Uh, wonderful symbol um, and as I'm sure you know in the book Gulliver's Travel um, the horses are considered to be the elevated society and man is called the Yahoo or the low life um, right. so they you know Pegasus and and right. uh, you know the horses are pretty extraordinary yeah for sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm and I, I'm right now. I'm going more and more in, into that direction, and also seeing the horse as a very spiritual animal. Um, especially after I was in contact with the Lakotas and stayed on, you know, on their on that ranch where they had about fifty horses, and I mean, uh, on 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 the land, uh, and um, just also seeing how they how they treat the horses, how they deal with the horses, which, of course, is is quite different from me, you know, coming from Germany, you know. So um, it's, and I think I'm I'm going into it more and more into that, into also into a spiritual direction with the horses. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, for yourself or um, in terms of yeah. your filmmaking both for my both. and um, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of doing another film with the with the Lakota which is uh you know I cannot really talk about it yet but it's definitely going to go in into that direction more more into the uh -huh. spiritual system. yeah and who knows what might happen then Yes, for sure. You 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 never know what's going to happen out at Pine Ridge is a very mystical and magical place. Right. So, um how how did the space rider character specifically come to you? So that happened um I am around in two, around 2001 or two. I, I spend a lot of time on a ranch um, in Wyoming, um, outside Thermopolis, Wyoming, 
and um, I was there mostly by myself. And I had, a, but I had a horse, so uh, I was riding around every day, exploring, you know, into the mountain. There's a lot. There, there's nobody in Wyoming. I mean, like in in certain areas, you will never even you can ride for weeks and you don't see anybody. Um, so I I was just out on the horse uh, every day and um, and I was working on some drawings and then all of a sudden I had this this vision that you know that I I became the space rider I became I became this uh, figure on a horse and the horse and me both had a, were wearing a helmet and we. We were a, or we are able to uh, to go into outer space. So the the horse is basically my my vehicle uh, into outer space, and um, that kind of happened after I read a lot about the West, exploring the West, and of course the horse was such a big, uh, how do you say, like such an important animal because without the horse, you know, it would have it would have looked the whole exploration of the West would have looked totally different. Um, and and then I was like, yeah, I mean, the horse, I kind of put the horse up one more step and made it, I, 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 uh, it, I, I just took it out into space. Uh, and then uh, from there, I, I started to, to, right after I started to draw my first sto- uh, storybook, about my first film with the Space Rider, which was an animation. Um, and um, I'm using one, a, a very large uh, painting I did back then, um, which is called Twin Peaks. And I redraw that painting into a Maya program with a programmer. And we made it move. And then the Space the space rider basically moves through that painting, um, and I, I just like to go away from the 2D to in a painting even to the 3D. But um, I could only do this in animation, but it's still painted or drawn into the directly into the on a computer screen, uh, in, and then uh, the programmer just made it move so the space rider was moving through one of my paintings that's how it all started oh interesting and were your your colors uh the same as your paintings the bright yeah. primary was, primary type yeah. colors yeah yeah it was totally it i mean basically i made a copy of the painting that's how we started it and then um and then but then, like, if you say there's a mountain or something in the painting, we were able to move behind the mountain. So we would go inside, really inside the painting, um, uh, because you can do that in an animation, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the same, it, it looks like my one of my paintings, exactly. Uh, but it's moving, and you can go behind a planet, or you can go behind a mountain and see what's there. So the image of you on the horse um, with your flag and all the bright colors, is that a still from one of your animation films? No, I did. No, I did. Um, 
I did uh, by now. I did a few <clears throat> uh, prints of that image. Um, I, 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 and I did a, a bunch of drawings too. So I, I'm not exactly sure which one you're talking about, but it's there's a, a lot of work. I then also, you know, I put the space writer back then. I started basically to also put the space writer into my drawings, and. Uh, and I did a, a, a few prints with that image too. Like at the last one I did was actually uh, the space rider standing in front of the Brandenburg Gate in Berlin. I don't know if you if you're talking about that. Uh, one. Yes, I, I, I saw probably, I, I saw yeah. that one. Um, yeah. I'm curious. Are you familiar with the photography of Sang Quan Chi? Uh, no. Not, um, maybe I saw it, but not not out of my head right now. Well, um, he um, died of AIDS, I think, in the late 1980s. Um, he was uh, from China, and he dressed up in a Chairman Mao costume and took self-portraits of himself in front of historic land, landmarks and locations all over the globe. Um, right. and he's, his work is in a lot of museums now and he yeah. was a, a friend and, and, you know, colleague of Andy Warhol and was, hung out with Warhol and Keith Haring and Basquiat, right. you know, that group, that group of people. And yeah. the work is full of whimsy and, you know, really wonderful photography. Um, and in a way it, it kind of reminds me your work in 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 some way not not in yeah. every way but reminds yeah. me a bit of that but the thing that comes through about the space rider um and and I'm curious about this for you in terms of the moving around that you've done is the sense of alienation you know the rider is right in foreign locales, you know, I mean, the Wyoming, the Badlands in Wyoming or South Dakota could be the moon, you know, right. for yeah, instance. It could. Yeah, right. That, that was the idea. That was the plan. Yeah. That's why I picked this, uh, these remote uh, landscapes because they look like they could be, they could be on the moon, yeah. So well, I'm, and Times Square is is you you know a sense of alienation certainly exists in Times Square as well exactly yeah and also I'm an immigrant so I mean I don't know but that probably has to do something too I mean I immigrated from you know from Berlin in uh, to New York in 1998 uh, but I came a lot of times before I made the final move in at that you know that year but uh uh i i mean um i'm very i'm i'm very much interested in exploration and i really wanted to explore the world i guess and i uh i still love to travel and you know explore and and i think also in my for my art this is very important i always try to go further or another step forward Test your boundaries. Uh, right, exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to take our first com commercial break here, um, so we'll be right back to the program. 
Welcome back to the show. So, Addie, in your third film um, about the prophecy, you are interacting with with people really for the only yep. time in the series, right. and um, I found that really compelling, particularly at the end where the space rider has a, a little girl sitting on the horse um, with them and, yeah. you know, really bonding and, and making a, a personal and intimate kind of connection. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, so um, you're right. This is the only film out of the cycle where, where I'm actually interacting with uh, people. And it's the Lakota people. And um, um, it's also different in those ways that the, uh, Charlie is, is, is basically telling uh, parts of the creation story and parts of the uh, uh, horse uh, horse story, like what the horse means to them. And there's a lot of footage also of, of the horses on on the ranch there just running you know running free and um and then um i i i wanted to work on uh building up a connection between the space rider and one of the one of the people there and it just happened to be that girl which um um, throughout the film, I make a connection with her. Like this, for example, another scene where we are sitting at the fire, and she, uh, she, my, my helmet is really bright because I have a light inside, and she kind of comes and looks, you know, looks at me and kind of touches the helmet, uh, which is a beautiful scene too, and. Um, and then uh, I take her on the horse, and I had I had the idea. My first idea was to actually take her back with me into space. But uh, I then, after you know, talking to some uh, Lakota, I was like, I cannot do that because that it would be an abduction, and they kind of believe in abductions, but. Also, so many of their children got stolen from them, and I was like, I cannot, you know, I cannot do that. So I right. changed the, I changed the ending again, where I just go by myself and I leave the girl with her family. But uh, I was very interested in just doing a relationship between the space rider and a human being, and that might be also what, what I I might do in the next one of the next films or the next film, just pick one human being and build up how the space rider uh, starts a relationship to that specific person and what happens. I mean, that's another idea of a future, of a future film. Well, there are a couple of great uh, precedents to that in David Bowie's film, The Man Who Fell to Earth right. and, yeah. And Jeff Bridges as Starman right. uh, did a pretty good job, um, yeah, you know, I convincing. I love yeah. yeah, they're both great. Yeah, yeah. I, I, lo- I watched the David Bowie film, I watched probably like 50 times. Yeah. I really love <laughs> that film. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, the uh, the Jeff Bridges film is a little more ro- romanticized version, yeah. but um, you know, certainly with the New York Times writing front page stories on um, U.S. military disclosure of cr- unidentified crafts and so forth, you know, yeah. we are in a time of information being shared and more and more people are coming forward to talk about their own contact experiences, which I think is really important to uh, demystify and take away the fear factor, um, you know, involved in all of this because it's so ridiculous to think that we're the only people in the universe. Exactly. And that that was also an experience I had with the Lakota Indian, which was like really mind-blowing because when I was like, okay, I've, I'm this figure of the space rider there, for them that was kind of normal, you know, because they believe in star people and they believe in star ancestors. And uh, and I was like, and you know, and, and they definitely have contact going on. And uh, so that was, was really interesting for me to see how, how for them it was kind of totally normal. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, they definitely um, are open. You know, their daily lives are full of um, contact in one form or another, you know, to their ancestors and the star beings and uh, the winged and the four-footed and the four-legged and, you know, everybody... Um, you know, Matakie Oyasin, we, we are all related, and, and that truly is how they choose to live. Um, right. and, and, you know, it's, it's really how I've always lived myself, so um, no doubt it's why I fit right in. But um, I, think, I, I think also, you know, the Lakota have such an amazing sense of humor so the idea that you would show up in this spacesuit with your horse in a spacesuit, you know, I, I I think that they would just find that wonderful. Yeah, but they didn't. They didn't think. Uh, they didn't thought it was like ridiculous or whatever. That they, they no no no. Yeah, they just took it like you know. They was like, oh okay, she's a space rider. Oh okay, of course, you know, something like that. Right. That's what. Yeah. It was yeah. It right. Was amazing. Yeah, they're they're extraordinarily creative. Right. So did you um did you see a kind of a unifying link throughout the four films once you finish them? Um yeah, it's um it's um I see I see the space wise space rider actually as an observer and wherever she goes might it be a, a different planet or might it be earth or might it be the berlin wall she i i kind of like the idea that she's an observer and through her eye or through her helmet uh, i try to make people see themselves it's like kind of a mirroring or they kind of understand maybe more or because I, I i abstract stuff you know i abstract like the 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 walk the first walk on the moon and i put it in a different surrounding so i I play with time i play with places and put them somewhere else 
and revisit them. But it's uh, it's like the space writer is is trying to show people something. Let's put it this way, in a in a very simple way, through the images of the film. And what is the symbolism on your flag? Well, the flag is is just it's just a image of the space rider, and behind it is a is a planet and stars. Um, and um, I always, I mean, I always play with the flag. Of course, the flag is like a symbol of territory. And the first, uh, the first film is called "The Maps, Not the Territory," uh, and it's uh, it's a symbol of taking a territory. And so I play with with that symbol. And but for me, it's just this, it's just uh, it's just her flag. It's just you know her symbol the symbol of the space rider and um i take it pretty much wherever i go uh-huh you carry you carry it with you on your travels yeah yeah do you have any um backstory about the planet you come from the space rider comes from no nothing just a nothing no, so you're nothing. just you you just exist in space yeah, that's another thing which maybe one day I, you know, think more about it. I and and it's it's kind of like it's kind of like she's a lot of times I'm thinking she's looking actually for a place to homestead or to to live or to, you know, yeah. So she's looking. She's definitely looking. She's just uh traveling, observing, looking and and she's by herself, so she's, you know, of course, she's probably lonely sometimes, and she she might just look for a place to settle down, and maybe that's what will happen eventually. And she, yeah, she doesn't really know where she's coming from. Well, she has her horse, so that's right. You know, <laughs> yeah. for me, that would be enough. <laughs> right. And you know, I mean, enough, yeah, and that's enough for her too, I guess. Yeah. And of course there's some some uh a lot of things which are also happening in my life, you know, because I I do kind of travel around, I have horses. But uh at at the moment I'm single. So, you know, it's uh sometimes I think, oh, I have to look for a place to settle down, so maybe that has to do something with it too, you know, but so far it didn't happen. Do you take your horses with you? Um, no, I have a, right now I have a horse in Germany, uh, but I, I spent, uh, it's a young horse, so I, I, I will spend a, a half of the year, uh, to go there next year, uh, and then decide if I bring it over to, to the States and let it fly in a place. <laughs> uh-huh, uh, uh-huh, it's a big decision. Have, right, I also have a horse, uh, in, in Wyoming, in Cody, Wyoming. And uh-huh. then I, I train horses. I'm presently in Santa Fe, and I have like six horses I'm riding on a regular basis. Uh, so there's a lot of horses in my life always. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's great. And, yeah, I could not live without them. Well, I'm curious um, about your experience with the COVID virus and yeah. – 
if you see any particular shifts in terms of your own consciousness or um, experience with your art making at this at this intense time of isolation and quarantine. Yeah. So for me, it was actually, I pretty much lived like I always live. I worked a lot in the studio. I have a studio out here in the, uh, it's called Apache Creek, on the, on the Apache Creek Ranch, which is in the Santa Fe uh, National Forest. It's beautiful, and I'm pretty much out away from people there. I mean, there's a family who lives on the ranch, but other than that, I... I'm away from people and uh, I have horses out there and I have a studio out there and I, I stayed and worked there all all of this year. In the beginning of the year, we did a catalog for that show in Germany about the four uh, films. Um, so I was working on that and then I started to work for my upcoming show with Peyton Wright here in Santa Fe. And so I was just working and riding horses. Uh, so for me, it was, except that I couldn't go to Germany, uh, I couldn't really travel. But other than that, I, I, I pretty much did what I always do. Mm -hmm. And I, I, yeah. don't, I don't mind to be isolated. I mean, I'm, uh, as I said, I'm single for, you know, for a while now and I don't, uh, as long as I have some ideas in my head and I can work, I'm I'm happy. I think I think in some ways, you know, for many artists, a lot has stayed the same because the art making process in general is a solitary act. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I I also think that the psychology behind knowing that you're quarantined or, you know, knowing that there are all these restrictions has its, an, yeah. its own, you know, influence and impact on, on all of us. And yeah. um, particularly creative people in that way, I think, um, because yeah. freedom of thought, freedom of expression is so important right. to, I mean, you I know, an artist. Yeah, I mean, right. I made the decision to stay here for the whole year. I mean, I, I, that that was not planned. Uh, you know, I was going mm -hmm. to go to Germany and New York, and but then once um, you know, I kind of had that in my head, and I had a place to work, and I had uh, you know, I have horses to train and everything. I'm I'm a lot out in in nature. I'm a lot out in the mountains here. Uh, I did not feel really restricted anymore. I mean, I don't know. I didn't really think about it much, mm -hmm. and it didn't. It didn't really scare me. I mean, because as I said, I could do what I, what I like to do the best. You know, which is like working on my art, and working with horses. So, I'm reading a lot. I was uh, actually, uh, maybe it's. I think in some ways it's maybe a good time for people to just reflect more onto themselves or I don't know um, or, and you know just concentrate more on, on yourself and I did concentrate actually a lot on nature because I live in this beautiful forest and I, I what which was new for me what I did I, I really started to connect to to the forest to the trees to the 
the wind, the stars I could see out here. So that that uh, that was probably uh, a change from like living in New York. Yeah, big change. Right. So that that was actually great. You know, I enjoy, enjoyed that a lot, or I, I still do enjoy that a lot. And I yeah, I lived in Manhattan for 18 years, so I I understand. Right. It's intense. Right. Yeah, very intense. But so yet, it's it's interesting. Yeah. In the virus, the New York is kind of becoming like the Badlands. You know, I'm stunned right. every time I see current photos of the streets of New York City and how bare they are, how empty right. they are. Um, yeah. yeah, it's very interesting what happens there right now because it's, it's totally changing. And I'm very curious to see what, you know, what will happen there because it is... It's changing quite a bit. A lot, so many people left, and you know, and I, I think, uh, I think it might, it, it might be more interesting again because more artists are moving back. It's getting cheaper again. You know, I don't know. It might be a good thing. Well, it, it also just seems like the buildings, in a, in a sense, are turning into a backdrop. You know, just like the rock formations in the Badlands with, yeah. with the. Um, you know, with the absence of people, um, right. you know, I know there are plenty of millions of people still living in New York. But, and, and interestingly enough, the imagery in your fourth film in Berlin reminded me, you know, with the buildings that are um, in disrepair, reminded me quite a bit of the film Blade Runner at, at, in various right. uh, okay. places, yeah. you know, yeah. so... Um, yeah. It, very futuristic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, for me, so I lived. I always lived in Brooklyn, like in uh, Greenpoint. And every time I I go to the uh, to the East River and I go look over onto Manhattan, uh, uh, and that's also in the in the second film, uh, the place is place. It starts with that. You see the you see the skyline. Of Manhattan, but we mirrored it into the into the river, so it kind of looks like a huge spaceship or something. But uh, I always thought it looks like, for me, it looks like a, a, a huge anthill or termites or whatever. And I always, again, I always looked at it as an observer, and I was not in the middle of it. I was always outside looking, you know, looking at it. Uh, from but, from Brooklyn, yeah, yeah, from a distance, you know, across the river. That's interesting. And, uh, yeah. So I uh, I can totally see it empty. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. will not happen, but I mean, not not right now, but maybe eventually. I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. um, it, we're entering a whole new, you know. Right realm of possibility that's for sure anything can happen now yeah right yeah i can see that well i'm really curious to see um where you go from here and not only in terms of your your film but also in terms of um the new friendships that you have with the lakota people 
and also the power of the land out there in South Dakota is um, profound. So I'm curious to see uh, if you go back there. I mean, New Mexico, of course, is is very powerful too, but I don't I don't think it's on quite the same level um, yeah. as yeah, as the Dakotas. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's it's very powerful too, but it's of course also very different and what's interesting in Santa Fe is that there's so many things come together it was, it was always a, a, a meeting point of you know uh, people trading traders or and there were always so many different cultures here like Pueblo Indians Mexicans the, Span- the Spaniards the you know the Apaches the I don't know there were so many people coming together from so many different totally different backgrounds and that that's kind of still happening I think and that's what makes it very interesting for me uh, and uh, and it's also the landscape has uh, certain locations which are super strong I mean I can just feel it uh, but it's very different than than the Pine Ridge Reservation, and I definitely uh, intend to uh, go back there and spend more time there and, uh, you know, work on another film or something, for sure. Yeah, I think you should. I I definitely um, look forward to, you know, seeing what you come up with because um, I, you know, I'm a firm believer in um, things happen for a reason, and I think you and the space rider were called there, you know, for a specific reason as well. So, yeah. 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 It's very, it's all very interesting uh, for me to see how, you know, how all this came together and uh, yeah, I'm very curious to see where, where it's going to (laughs) go. So, but it's, it's great. I'm very excited. Yeah. And um, as we're about to end 2020 and move into 2021, do you have any observations you'd like to share with us? Um, well, I, as I said, I'm really uh, I out here. I really started to watch the stars a lot, which I never really did like that intensely before. So um, I started to, whenever I I can or whenever I get up early enough, I watch the morning star or the daybreak star, and uh, which the Lakota say this is a star who gives you wisdom. And it's, I don't know, I just got really kind of up, almost obsessed with it, and, and I just, it feels to me like like it talks to me, and uh, and then, uh, so there's this other, like, uh, there's so many, so many star constellations, so many things are happening right now in the skies, which um, I am getting more and more aware of, and I try to watch as much as I can with, you know, with my own eyes. And uh, I don't know, this is for me a big thing, and I think that's also going to be very important for next for next year. I don't know, that's uh, that's all which comes up to my mind right now. And and then next year I will go to Germany, so who knows what's going to happen there. 
Yeah, that's a very that's a very good point. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I am. That's all I, you know. That's all I, I, I. That's all I can tell you. Yeah. When you were on Pine Ridge, did you have a chance to participate in any of their the, the Lakota ceremonies, like the Sundance ceremony or the sweat lodge? Yeah. Or um, I was, I did a sweat lodge with the family I was on. I did not do any. There was no Sundance uh, ceremonies when I was there. Uh, we, but when I did the ride, the the ride with them. Uh, over Christmas, um, at the they they had some ceremonies like during the ride, you know, in the in the evening. Sometimes they were like dancing or praying, and we always prayed every every morning before we left. Like where we, when we we made a circle with the horses, and the horses got smudged, and everybody got smudged, uh, and we prayed right. then. So the whole ride was very. Uh, like one big ceremony actually and at the end uh, uh, you know you stop at the cemetery where the grave is the mass grave and uh, and and there were people uh, coming also from I don't know where from town or from all over the reservation and they they did a ceremony on on the cemetery and I, I was there and that was really amazing because most of the riders, they left, they didn't stay for that. They just, they went back to Pine Ridge, which was the final ending of the ride. But I, uh, for whatever reason, I decided to stay at the cemetery and, um, and there were maybe only 10 people there, but they were like praying, crying, you know, uh, singing um, in their language, of course. And uh, again, I was just an observer watching this, but it was very powerful and very, you know, as you can imagine. Well, just so our listeners know, what you're referring to is also um, known as the the Bigfoot ride, the Bigfoot Memorial ride. And, the 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 trail that um chief bigfoot and his group followed um when they were running after after the killing of chief sitting bull um up at standing rock is the trail that your you and the other riders took um, back to Wounded Knee, essentially to this to the site um, where the massacre, where the Wounded Knee massacre happened right. um, in 1898, I, I believe, and it's about a 150 mile ride, if I'm remembering yeah, correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be even a little longer, and it goes two weeks uh, over, and it's over. Uh, Christmas and it ends on December 29th. That's when we when they arrive at the at the cemetery. That's when it happens. Arrive on the, yeah. yeah on the day of yeah. I can't remember if it's the 28th or the 29th. It's the day of the massacre. They arrive right. at the cemetery. Yeah. 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 And and the ride was actually started by um, two friends, uh, Alex Whiteplume 
and Chief Arvo Looking Horse are two of the original organizers and, and right. creators of, of the ride um, more than yeah, 30 I mean, years for, ago now. Right. For them, it's, they also call it the future generation ride because what they really want to do is educate their kids and educate their... And they, they try to take as many young people and kids who want to join them uh and it's it's very i mean if they don't want to ride every day they don't have to they just can ride one day and then they just can come along you know in in the trucks and uh and follow it but uh they really uh it's really a education it's an educational uh um ceremonial event what they do there and they do a lot of other rides like to memorize sitting bull to memorize crazy horse and and they always follow a a path or a line where those people were fighting or where those people were dying but it's all to keep to keep them alive pretty much i would say Exactly. Well, that's the the goal right now because of the incredible, incredibly high rate of suicide um, right. among Native American youth and um, all of the other issues that they face in terms of substance abuse and child abuse and teen pregnancies and just Across the board, they are dealing with one challenge after another and maintaining and, you know, sharing the Lakota language and uh, culture is just a critical part of regaining um, sovereignty, native sovereignty. Yeah. And and I think it's a great way to do that, to, you know, because... Because there were so many children on this ride when I did it in 2017. Um, I actually, there was the same year where Standing Rock happened. And I was in Standing Rock before I went uh, for the ride. And I did, uh, you know, a bunch of interviews there uh, for the Bomb magazine in in New York. And um, um, a lot of people from Standing Rock actually also joined the ride later then in December, um, so uh, yeah, it was a very, a very powerful uh, time for me to experience all of that. That's wonderful. Yeah, it was. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I th- for me, that's why the Lakota um, Nation is so. Um, attractive to me what i'm continually drawn to is their inner strength regardless of what what is happening in their lives and they face one challenge after another but you know can continue to to be the warriors that they are and um and and you know be strong but keep their hearts open right yeah yeah which is it's it's yeah it's very beautiful to to watch them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're they're just amazing, amazing people. Well, we're getting close to the end of our interview. Is there anything specific that you'd like to share with our audience? Mm. Um, so, if 
I, I would like to invite everybody. I have a, a show coming up at the guest house in uh, Jackson Hole on January 23rd, in case anybody's in Jackson Hole. Please come on by. And I have an opening in Santa Fe with Peyton Wright Gallery, uh, which will open on March 5th. Uh, please come on by if you're in Santa Fe. And uh, all my films uh, and all the works I did probably over the last 10 years, it's all on my website if you're interested to take a look or watch the films. Uh, they're all on my website, which is www.atimaier.com. And thank you for having me here today. Oh, thank you for joining us, Addy. It's my pleasure. We um, will have your website and um, your, your films uh, posted with this interview as well as one of your paintings, maybe maybe the one that of the print of the space rider on um, their horse, and I, you know, I really think what you're doing is tremendous. Um, I applaud your work and all of the, you know, interesting ideas that you are bringing together in it. I, in some ways, I feel like what you're doing um, is connected to what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm my own little space rider out there. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, it was just also really interesting how this all came together, like up to this interview, because, you know, I just saw you ad advertising uh, for the residency in South Dakota, and I was like, oh, my God, I have to contact this person. <laughs> and that's what I do. Yeah, it's funny so, the way life works, you know. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about creativity, too. The synchronicities, um, if you're in that creative flow, the synchronicities that happen just organically, naturally, are so wonderful when you're in the right. process of moving right. forward. Yeah. And maybe it, we, do, uh, we do a film together. Who knows what will happen? <laughs> yes, I'm open, to all, uh, I'm open to all of that. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah. So... Well, thank you so much for joining us.